skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like getting over a new first love, wanting closure in an ex-best friendship, and cheating on your boyfriend for four years. But Boom. before we begin, <laughs> yeah, right. That one's a big one. Before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed therapists or mental health practitioners. We are just two yeah. English majors with opinions. Yep, absolutely. Sam and I are not professionals. We're just, this is what we you would call like a passion project. <laughs> That's right. A side hustle, if you yeah. will. <laughs> So please take our advice as you see fit. Uh, we are only here to offer our humble musings at, to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on this incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So, Samuel, the check-in yeah. topic for today is inspired by a conversation that my wife had um, with some some peers of her. Apparently, there's like a book out there. I don't actually know the real book. <laughs> I didn't go. That, I didn't go that far down the line yeah. of like research. Not or professional anything. people. Well, it inspired an idea. Um, the book is like on that you should be someone that you want to date. Okay, so the conversation 
turned into like, would you date yourself? And I know I can see y'all. The brow is furrowed. The hair looks perfect. The mustache is shining, but his brow is furrowed. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah. So, so the conversation my wife had with her peers, um, most of them, she said, were like, yeah, I would totally date myself. Um, what? I know. <laughs> well, okay. First of all, we need to get the judgment out of our this is a judgment-free zone because i also i put it out on the internet i think on the just break up twitter and people were like hell yeah i'm awesome i have a great job i'm attractive i did it and and i was like i love this for you yeah (laughs) i would i would date myself hypothetically like i would date like me on paper but like i would find myself very annoying This is the content that I knew you could give me if I if you let me surprise you with this jacket topic. <laughs> um, I and I also like before I share my thoughts on it, I like did some googling to try to find the book, but I wasn't. There's like a couple options there, and I just I didn't want to like prescribe book that i've not read which i have totally done before (laughs) i was like why stop start now (laughs) um why stop now you mean (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um but uh then i saw like a couple like there are youtube videos about date your like would you date yourself varying from like uh, television conversations like on talk television um to people's like YouTube channels of like giving inspirational like dating and self-help advice. So it's apparently mm. it's like a hot topic that we have never discussed. <laughs> and I want to say that I saw a lot of people say that they would date themselves like our the couple of folks on Twitter. Like, yeah, I would date myself. Like, I think I'm a cool person. I'm interesting. I like my interests and stuff. But I'm going to be on Team Sam on this one <laughs> that like, not only would I like not like myself at all like i i'm not not only am i not attracted to my personality type (laughs) i (laughs) not that wasn't meant to be like such a dig to myself but like more importantly i really like a relationship that um and have always needed a relationship that balances me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm mm. like in the most simplest terms, like I used to tour a lot as a performance poet. And, you know, for months at a time, I would be traveling. And like, I could not handle that <laughs> if I was my partner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also very, very good point. Like yes. my anxious attachment style would just be like, nope, bye. Um, and, but like on a deeper level, like I, um, I like that Willow and I's um, personalities are compatible in the way that they ebb and flow, the way that they fit together, you know, where she is strong in one place, I'll be strong in the other, you know, and I think I've always been drawn to that. And that's what I mean, we obviously have common interests, um, but I don't think I would date myself. Thoughts? No, legit. That's how I feel, too. Like... <laughs> Like I said, like, yes, would I date myself on paper? On paper? Yeah, absolutely. I have a job and like I am kind to people. And you and, have a like, mustache. I can, yeah, I have a mustache <laughs> and I'm like tall and I like <laughs> can hold yeah. a conversation. Um, but I also think that like in my relationship, I need to take up space in ways that I don't create a lot of space for 
Peter. <laughs> and like it works because he doesn't need that space, right? right. Like I get to be the insufferable know-it-all oh and he God. gets to oh be the God. one episode, that just like goes along. <laughs> we just drag ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm the one that gets to like travel and have like poetry fame and you can stay at home and wait for me. <laughs> That's obviously not what I meant. I'm just dragging myself. Um, no, and like Peter is like very social and like yes. knows how to like make everyone feel at ease in like ways that I struggle with. Like it right. just, there are reasons why I think Peter and I work and part of it is because we are different. Yes, totally. <laughs> so like I would not want to date someone who is also insuffer- an insufferable know-it-all and like can't handle themselves at a yeah. party. Like, <laughs> Yeah, totally. I... I totally agree. Uh, and and Willow felt the same way. Um, but I guess so that we don't just like shit on ourselves, <laughs> the check-in topic. Like, what is something about yourself that you would want to see in another person? Like, if you could mirror something like that in yourself, uh, in a potential significant other, what would you want to mirror? I would want to mirror kindness. Mm-hmm. I'd want to mirror... The ability to have difficult conversations. Um, I would want to mirror the sort of the desire to, you know, work towards being better. Um, yeah. And like, that's what I looked for. Like, that's what yeah, totally. <laughs> those are wow. all things that are Peter are. Mm-hmm. I just like didn't didn't need anyone to <laughs> lecture me about things, <laughs> which is like what I love to do. So. <laughs> I love that. I know. And I was just sitting here thinking, I agree with you. Like, I think I, I require a certain amount of commitment to emotional intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. I require, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think that when I said I want somebody to balance me, I need them to be like a little bit more grounded than me, but also a romantic. Like, I like that mm. I'm a romantic. I like I like the passion in my relationship. Um, and if that weren't reciprocated and they were just like grounded and and kind of like um, clinical in their approach to me, that would get um, less exciting to me over time. Mm. Um, I love what you said about having wanting to have hard, hard conversations. Um, and honestly, the the last thing that came into my mind, something that I like about myself is along the same lines is I apologize very easily, even when it's deeply uncomfortable to do so. Um, and I used to apologize in the way that we often see um, in in younger people trying to discover who they are, where they over-apologize. I used to be, oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, those apologies used to be a way to make myself smaller um, and, a, and an easy way to make myself smaller instead of like committing to the work, you know? Yep, but yep. Um, now I I've tried to become more vulnerable in that. And I apologize um, with a lot of purpose and intention. And I like that about myself because I am not afraid to like admit that this is my first time being a 34 year old human, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Um, We're all learning as we go. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad that you feel similarly because I would never date myself. Oh my God. Never. (laughs) Um, Listen, and that doesn't mean that I don't love myself. I right. love the fact that I am an insufferable know-it-all. Like that is like that. Def- that is a, who I am, and right. in your core. But it also, yeah, it also means that I have to also acknowledge the fact that, like, when I'm in rooms with other know-it-alls, it like makes me uncomfortable. Totally. <laughs> so well, I wouldn't want to date one. Yeah. But 
I still love that about myself and like yeah. create space for it. And, and I'm intentional about like being in relationship with someone who's okay with me being that way. I just had this revelation too, that like, I think um, the healthiest relationships of my life have helped fill me up um, or sustain me um, in ways like when I, you know, when I was touring full time or even the podcast, like you and I give a lot of ourselves, right, to do mm-hmm. this podcast, to be so vulnerable, to show up week after week. Um, and I and that like outpouring of love or energy or whatever you want to call it. Like I often need like return to me in like calm, peaceful moments with my wife. Um, mm. And I think that I really need a partner that's like that, that balances um, all of my passion and my work energy and everything that I put out into the world. Um, and that at home, I don't have to be that person. I don't have to, um, provide in that same way instead she can like mm. take care of me um and i don't think i could do that for myself if i was dating myself um yeah in fact i would be real. very jealous of each and every one of you listeners for getting my attention <laughs> 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 anyway <laughs> um okay any other thoughts on that i think that's wraps it up for me no i yeah. just i'm I'm really impressed with all the people who would want to date themselves. I know. I kind of, it's no shade. Like, even though we have like 30 furrowed brows over here, um, I was like, genuinely like, I love that for you, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly, like, good. I know. It's cool. Um, I also really admire it because I don't think anywhere in my journey was I like so confident, (laughs) you know? I just think that it's uh, remarkable. Um, okay, so let's get into our letters. Let's do it. All right, so this letter comes from Brie Hates Love, who is writing from the Midwest. Brie writes, After discovering my bisexuality in college, I spent a few years coming to terms with my new identity. I still struggle with it on a daily basis. Who doesn't? But last year, I started combing through dating apps with my preference set on women just to see where things led. After a few months, I matched with this woman. Immediately, I felt a connection. We had an intense conversation about life as queer women, dating, and life in general. I felt really strongly for her right off the bat. When we met in person, that connection was strengthened even further. Over the course of a few months, we slowly but surely began dating, though things were never made official. I even slept over at her apartment, which for me was a big step, as I was still learning and exploring my own sexuality. After a few months of consistent dates, we confirmed that we were only seeing each other and we wanted it to stay that way. However, I was excited and ready to be exclusive. I felt comfortable and safe with her and wanted so badly to share our relationship with my friends and eventually with my family. She, on the other hand, told me that she wasn't sure when she would be ready to tell her family or bring me around the people in her life. I knew what it felt like to be scared of revealing my sexuality to people. Even at that point, I was still nervous and closeted as hell. But after a few more weeks of back and forth, we agreed that maybe this wasn't right for us anymore. I wanted to enjoy the luxuries of dating out in the open, and she wasn't. And don't get me wrong, I completely respect that everyone comes out at their own pace. I would never ask her to put herself in a situation where she felt unsafe or pressured to reveal her own truth. She was so upset that I, quote, wouldn't accept our relationship for what it was in the sense that we would be kept a secret in her life. After that, I deleted dating apps. I was absolutely heartbroken that my first real relationship with a woman had ended in a complete dumpster fire. 
Within a few months, she began dating a guy and openly touted her relationship on social media, which wrecked me even more. Here I was, drowning in my own self-loathing for messing up this beautiful and intense relationship I had, all for something so silly as wanting to be open to the world. I began questioning whether I made the right choice. I felt awful for how I made her feel so uncomfortable about coming out when that was never my intention. So here I am today. She's still in a relationship with her boyfriend, and I have made so many failed attempts at finding a new relationship. I find myself comparing every girl I meet to her, the way she was so passionate about life, the way she took control and made me feel so understood and cared for. She wasn't my first love because I had been in love with men before, but she was the first woman I ever loved, and damn, it was intense. How do I move on? It makes me ache all over knowing that she didn't give us a second thought after getting into a relationship so quickly. It also makes me ache knowing I'm jealous of a guy when I was the reason that she and I broke up. It's been one year and I'm still convinced I'll never find a love quite like her. I want to apologize to her, but I know it would be out of place and pointless. Love sucks. Oh, Brie hates love. Thank you so much for writing and for listening. First, you don't hate love. You hate heartbreak. (laughs) Right. And rejection, right? Love is great. Love doesn't feel like this. Um, Heartbreak does, though. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you're experiencing heartbreak. Uh, I want to be clear um, that by no means, Sam and I, we we don't think that you were like trying to push her out of the closet in an unhealthy way or anything. You didn't get that vibe, right? Mm Mm-mm. Nope. No. Yeah. Um, and so you can just like relinquish yourself of that pressure. Like it's it is so natural and human to want to be out and proud with somebody that you love that you're in a relationship with. Um, and it sounds like you are very compassionate to her needs and also justifiably compassionate to your own needs, um, mm. at wanting to have a relationship out in the open. And that's why you guys separated. And so just uh, I want to start by just like freeing you of that shame of of that guilt like that's not why this relationship ended because you did that thing the relationship ended because you are not compatible with this person right and i i want to just reiterate that because those are those might seem like the same sentence in your head but they're not the same sentence right you didn't cause this relationship to end the incompatibility that you had with her in what your goals were for this relationship ended this relationship, right? right? It is not your fault that you want to live out and proud with your girlfriend. That's not, that is not a bad thing. It is not something that you need to apologize for. It is okay to say, this is something that's important to me and I'm going to work to find a partner that is able to do it, right? You're not a horrible person for wanting that. You didn't ruin the relationship for wanting that. It's also okay for her to say, I don't want to be out right now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to share this with my family. It's absolutely okay for her to want to stay in the closet for right now because I don't know her life and I don't know sort of what what is going on with her and why she's making that decision. But the fact that those two goals were different doesn't mean that you are a bad person or she was a bad person. It just meant that those goals were different. Yeah. And that means that the relationship wasn't going to work. And I want to talk about um, her too, that like, I know it's so hard. It's so hard to see our exes move on. It is so mm-hmm. hard, right? Like that is so hard. And it's, I understand why it is a particular pain that she's a with, with a man now. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but mm-hmm. tabling that for a second. Um, no matter how 
we hold this truth in our heart, no matter how hard it is or like clumsy of a shape, your ex absolutely has an inherent right to move on and find happiness. And that Mm. is the spiky, terrible pill to swallow. Um, But she is not dating a man right now because she doesn't want to be with you. She's not dating a man right now because she is trying to hurt you. She's dating a man because she's into this guy because she moved on. And that might sound really like harsh, um, but I'm trying to pose this in a way to you in which it's not a comparison. It's not a it's not a, something lacking in you and um, abundant in him. Right. And and, mm. and they're not related. I think they're, that we see this narrative a lot um, in all couples. Right. That this person moved on um, and they moved on because I was lacking something and this person has it. But we see mm-hmm. it especially play out um, in queer relationships and same-sex um, relationships where what they you go from a queer relationship into a hetero um, or a heteros, hetero presenting or, or whatever relationship mm-hmm. and you think like, oh my God, they were ashamed of me and they sought this out. And I, I want to tiptoe around talking about this because I've known so many pe- lesbians who feel deeply, deeply scarred um, and deeply, deeply hurt by the fact that, like, their exes or their significant others went, um, moved on from them into a heterosexual relationship. So, like, mm-hmm. I want to say I see that pain. I see why that can be, that can feel like an echo of the shame you felt growing up, right? That I'm different, yeah. that I'm wrong, I'm undesirable, whatever. Um but I also want to push us to be better, right? And I and I also think that there's some like biphobia hidden in those narratives, not in this letter, Brie, um, but mm-hmm. in that idea, right? So I want to push us to be better, and I'm going to do it by sharing a new um, a new idea that I learned about this weekend. Um, have you ever heard Sam about the the minds two systems? Have you ever heard that no. term? So I was like doing no, some haven't. self-help reading, you know, and I came across um, the idea of the mind's two systems. And it uh, this idea says that all of our thoughts exist on a spectrum between automatic thoughts and conscious thoughts and mm-hmm. automatic thoughts just pop out of nowhere. And they are what they call system one. And conscious thoughts require deliberation and intention. And they're in system two. Um So system one is like your automatic, your emotional and your frequent thoughts, things that you think without wanting to even think them like, oh, my Mm -hmm. God, she left me for a man because she's ashamed of me. Right. That would Mm -hmm. be Mm -hmm. a system one thought. System two thoughts are conscious and logical and infrequent. And they require, like I said before, deliberation, intention. Um, And I thought the thing that I enjoyed most thinking about this, like I knew this intuitively, um, but I was reading more and um, it said that system one thoughts are frequency based. So the more you have a thought, the more ingrained it becomes and the more it's likely to occur in the future. And I thought so instantly of our anxious thoughts and the things we tell ourselves, I'm unlovable. He left me because of these reasons. I'm never going to find mm-hmm. anyone. You know, the, our anxious 
involuntary emotional thoughts, these system one thoughts, they grow stronger the more we have them, right? Right. Um, but in this two system thinking, they say that it's key to start recognizing these automatic emotional, like anxious or frequent thoughts, um, to manage them. And it's, it's not about chat. It's not about like changing them. We're never not, like you said, we're never not going to have these thoughts. We're never Mm -hmm. not going to have these, these anxiously based thoughts, these system one thoughts, but the key is recognizing them, um, challenging them if we can, um, recognizing them and, and shifting into a system two based line of thought. So I'm going to bring this into the conversation about queer women dating women and then dating men or however you want to, what, however mm-hmm. this manifests in your life. Um, it is really easy, not easy. I shouldn't say that word. It is ingrained in us to think, to find the the places, the cracks in which we are rejected, right? The narratives that we are rejected. It's also ingrained in us to um, see people's actions as direct reflections of their feelings about us. Those are all system one thoughts, right? Oh, he's dating this girl because he thinks she's prettier than me. That mm-hmm, girl has nothing mm-hmm. to do with you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yep. Or she's dating a man now because she was ashamed of me or even more toxically, and sorry to call us queer women out, right? More toxically, she's dating a man because she was faking being queer, or she was never mm. queer enough, or whatever. I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard it all. My my ex used to shame me so much um, for dating men, um, and I really internalized that shame for so long. Um, so I'm just going to take this moment to like air my grievances about the thought process of this fear of women leaving women for men or, or, or however, like I said, however it manifests in your life. Um, it's easy to find the patterns in those behaviors, but we have to, we have to, to stop, recognize the thought and realize that it's, that it's all based in our automatic emotional responses and that this person's actions, one, they have an inherent right to move on and be with whoever they want to be period. Mm. We can't control Mm -hmm. anyone. Two, their actions are not a reflection of me, what they think about me. Their actions are not um, a a description of how I failed them or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't, I want to say, Brie, like I said, I don't think that you're like shaming this person for dating a man. But I, I, ha- I had to bring that into this conversation because it's the first thing I really thought of from my personal experience. And I know there's a lot of people out for there sure. who, who might feel the same way. Um, mm-hmm. But to bring these, the minds to systems to you, Brie, your first thought is like, oh my God, I ended the relationship. I don't have a right to be jealous of this guy. No, <laughs> you totally that. have a right to, I mean, you have a right to any emotion you have. Um, mm-hmm. But the, but the next, the system two thought has to be, she has a right to move on. This is an uncomfortable thought. We have to sit with that. Okay. So yes. she moved on with a guy. She did that because she was ashamed of dating a girl. Mm-hmm. System two thought she moved on with a guy because this is who she wants to date right now. It's not a mm-hmm. reflection of me. Um, so yep. I really like this, the Minds to Systems approach because it's like, I think we've said similar words on the podcast before knowing it, but it's like speaking truth to our anxiety, right? Speaking intention to our, to our fears and our emotions. Absolutely. 
And what I like about that model is that it's not about shutting down system one, right? It's not about that. It is about taking what you're getting from system one and, and moving it into system two. So I think exactly like what Sierra said too, like, you know, you seeing her openly date this man, right? And the system one thought thinks, oh, she she's open because she was ashamed of me, right? Like she didn't she didn't come out because she was ashamed of me. And now she's with this man and she's not ashamed of him. So whatever. So now that means I'm a horrible, shameful person. Right. And moving that into system two, which is to say we live in a in a heteropatriarchy, right? Like it is much easier for her to date him out loud and proud because love, there yeah. are significant less societal barriers for her to do it, right? Like it is, again, not about you and your shame. It's about the context within which this relationship sits, which is that coming out is a difficult process and being out and proud in relationship with people who are, you know, queer is inherently dangerous, right? Physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like all of those things. And so remind yourself of that when you see that too. And and remind yourself like it's not that he is not, it's not that I'm shameful and he's not, right? It's not that she was ashamed of me and he's not. It's that the society has feelings about these different types of relationships that made things more complicated for us. I'll also say like, you talk about like how you can stop comparing her to the people that you're dating. And again, I want to, I want to use the same sort of understanding of system one and system two, like system one is like, we're going to compare each other, like compare people to each other. Right. So how do you move that into system two and say, how can I do this in a way that's actually going to serve me? Well, what, instead of just like, reactively comparing people to her how can i identify the things that i enjoyed and loved about this person and look for those same things in other people right if you're if you love her passion for life like great find people who have passion for life right like find people who um support you who like to take control who like to make sure that you are taken care of right like those are all good things for you to have in the back of your mind as you think about who you're dating But if you can do it in a more intentional way, you can do it in a way that doesn't just like dismiss people because they're not immediately like her. Right. Right. That can be like, she's, you're right. She's not blonde and she's not four or six or whatever. (laughs) Very short woman. Wow. You, you and your, your (laughs) heterosexual desires (laughs) teaching me a lot right now, Sam. That's right. But instead say like, okay, well, I can get past those things. But does she also share the same love for life that I found so wonderful in this partner? Does she have the same... Um, ability to take care of me that I love so much in this partner because that we're not going to stop, be able to stop ourselves from making those comparisons, but can we do it in a way that actually serves us better? Right. Exactly. And I want to say one more piece like that. I know will, I know it's just hard. It's just as hard, but um, I think it'll be crucial to your healing. I'm glad Sam said what he said about that. We live in a heteronormative patriarchy and that coming out is hard right and it is um challenging in so many ways potentially dangerous all of these things that that heterosexual relationships are let me tell you as somebody who does both they are easier (laughs) capital e easier right Mm -hmm. um but i also want to say this i want to echo the sentiments we started with this relationship didn't end because of this outing 
this outing situation. Those were mm-hmm. the, that was the catalyst that made it end. But it it ended, and I'm gonna just say it because you're not supposed to be with this woman. That's right. This is not your person. There there's somebody mm-hmm. out there who will love you and celebrate you so loudly and so proudly. Um and and. It's going to feel like summer every day, okay, when you meet this person. Maybe a couple of rainstorms, but like yeah. <laughs> um, this person is a, is a love, right? This is a love, but this is just a stepping stone love to, to the one that you're going to find. And you're going to know why you didn't stay with this other person to meet this person. Absolutely. And just because you haven't found that person in a year doesn't mean that you have like given up your one true love right Right. like it doesn't mean that you have you have unfortunately ruined your dating life right it just means that you haven't found a person to date in a year right and that's that's life that's that's what happens so she didn't break you she didn't she didn't poison you against other people it's just that you haven't found a person that makes you feel the same way that she did and but that doesn't mean that you're not capable of that that doesn't mean that that it's not out there absolutely Um, and so divorcing that feeling of like, oh, it's been so long from her, I think will be helpful for you as you continue to date people and maybe have a little bit more hope and faith yeah. in that the world will provide. Yeah. Oh, and oh, my God, please block this person. Please block this person. <laughs> why you why you why can you see this relationship? We're not supposed to have access mm. to this. <laughs> That's great. Like, I imagine how you would feel. <laughs> right. Right. Imagine how you'd feel if you didn't know this. You would be moving on. You'd be like, okay, well, that relationship was painful, but like, it's time to move on, <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. Maybe you would still be heartbroken, but like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, um, y- that fucking follow button. It like puts us in, we're, <laughs> we are in a firing range with our heart if we don't put up boundaries. It's like, think about it mm-hmm. that way. Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to unf- seem like a bitch. I don't want to unfollow him because like we're friends or whatever. But like, does a friendship like hurt this much, <laughs> you know, to like right. see them mm-hmm. in their feed? Or, you know, is it is it worth your, your peace? Is it worth your wellness to follow somebody who makes you feel like garbage? Mm. And, and social media, I'm sorry, one more little rant. Social media has great. like totally fucked up our understanding of like what boundaries are in general. Like, why are we looking at everybody's shit? <laughs> like, why are we all in, up in each other's shit? Tell me. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know how I feel about social media. I'm yeah. just glad that you're the one ranting about it and not me. <laughs> uh, you know, I love sharing joys. I, I built a career in social media. So like, I do have like... I have so much love and affection for especially people who have been following me for years. I like remember their screen names, you know, but at the same time, like it's made me think about like how much I have given of myself and how little I have kept for myself, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. about that in terms of boundaries, what we give in relationships, what we keep, what we keep for ourselves social media just destroys that concept. And so I'm telling you, Brie, like you deserve to block that person or, you know, mute them or whatever. So you don't have to constantly be given the trigger to question your own value. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's very real. So block them. <laughs> I've been converted <laughs> fully, Sam. Only took two and a half yes. years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
All right, Brie um, hates love. You don't hate love. You're just experiencing heartbreak and you will find another good, true love again. I promise. I, I fucking promise. Um, Absolutely. And you're worthy of celebrating. You're worthy of being loved out loud, out in the open. Um, just hang tight. Sam and I love you. Thanks for writing. We do. Thank you so much. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakul jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. 
All right. The next letter comes from Bumblebee, who is writing to us from Montana. Hello, Sierra and Sam. I'm binging your podcast like I've never binged before. As a domestic violence advocate, I hear y'all in my head when I provide crisis counseling to survivors. So I greatly appreciate your tenderness. Thanks for all that you do. Trigger warning for sexual assault. Growing up, I had a twin flame bestie. Let's call her Ash. I didn't have emotional support from my family in my childhood, and so her friendship was very important to me. We did everything together and remained friends into our young adulthood until one specific event that seemed to silently shatter our friendship. In 2015, I was sexually assaulted by an acquaintance while I was partying in the town where I went to a community college a few hours away from my hometown. I was 19. He was much older than me and took advantage of me while I was far too intoxicated to consent. Ash and I's mutual hometown friend was at that party. And from his perspective, I went to bed with someone in the fairness of a drunk hookup culture. At that time, I was dating someone I graduated high school with who was out on a trip out of the country. And so when our mutual friend gossiped about what happened that night to Ash, it appeared as if I cheated on my boyfriend. Growing up in rural Wyoming, the concept of consent was not taught or understood in my peer community. Rape was only considered as such if you had been attacked by a stranger and fought for your life. We never learned about the nuances of sexual assault, especially when coercion and drinking are involved. It was emphasized to AFAB people that us accusing a man of sexual assault could ruin his life. It was understood that if we were drinking or consented to some preliminary sexual act, we were in the gray area, and the gray area was not enough to accuse people of assault or consider yourself a survivor of sexual violence. When I tried to explain to Ash what happened, she quickly victim-blamed me and accused me of lying, stating that I was using this claim of sexual assault as a way to not take accountability of cheating on my boyfriend. What I did next is something I've spent years trying to forgive myself for. I agreed with her. I even thanked her for keeping me honest. Looking back, I know I did this because I was terrified of losing my friendship with her, but I also didn't understand at the time I had experienced assault. All I knew was that I felt violated and dirty. As time went on, I experienced PTSD and an overwhelming feeling of shame. With the help of my incredible roommate at the time, I slowly came to understand that I had been assaulted and that my symptoms were justified. I also found out shortly after that he was in the court process for doing the same thing to another young woman and was charged with assault. Ash and I's friendship was never the same. We never revisited the event. And when it was serendipitously brought up a couple times afterwards, we quickly changed the subject. Years later, I still mourn this loss and feel emotional about this. I hate that I was so misunderstood and victim blamed. And I hate that I betrayed myself and ignored my body so that she would accept me. I try to be understanding to this because I know that she was reacting to my pain with a script of masculine protection that we've all been taught, but I feel sad that she hasn't reached out for reconciliation in the five years since then. Every June, I become very upset about this experience, and it feels extremely consuming. I assume it's because we share a birthday in June, and for so long, we spent the summers together, and these stored memories arise. For the past two summers, I've written her letters while in this sadness, but never sent them because I'm afraid of being rejected or victim blamed again. This last fall, she got married and didn't even invite me to the wedding. It wasn't because of COVID. I saw the pictures and she had a big old Wyoming wedding. Yikes. 
I can accept our lives are different, but growing up, I never could have imagined a reality where I wasn't at least invited to her wedding. I'm not even interested in being close anymore, knowing that our lives are so different, but I do want closure from this ex-best friendship. I want to be seen and understood in the assault that I endured. I also want to be freed from this pain because the unresolved nature of it is not sustainable, as y'all would say. Should I reach out to her? If not, what can I do on my end to find closure on this? I would really like to just break up with this emotional tether, but time hasn't brought me the answers. Thank you so much for reading XOXO. And also, yes, I do go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you included that. Bumblebee, I have so much love and affection and respect for you in my heart right now. It is literally mm-hmm. overflowing. I hope that you feel it through the airways right now. Um, obviously, Sam and I would first like to say, I'm so sorry this happened to you. And I'm not just talking about the assault. I'm so sorry that th- your friendship has been impacted by this trauma as well. Um, and that you were essentially gaslit by someone who you felt was one of your closest people. I'm so sorry this happened to you. You did nothing mm-hmm. to deserve it. Even if you thanked her. Even if you agreed with her, you didn't deserve this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important for us to remember. And also, you know, you talk in this letter about how Ash was indoctrinated in sort of an understanding of rape culture is what I would call it. But basically the idea that, you know, rape has to look a certain way and also that it's important to protect men from accusations of rape, uh, more than it is to believe victims. And I, you sort of, you talk about how you understand that that's the way that she was seeing the world, but it was also the way that you were seeing the world too, right? right? Like it, the fact that you smiled and agreed with her and thanked her was because like, that was what you were taught. That is the best thing you knew to how to do in that moment. Right. And it's, it's, I'm so proud of you for finding the strength to rewrite that, right? Finding the strength to be able to push back against that and say like, wait a minute, that's not right. This is not, this is not my experience. And I believe myself that this happened to me because not everyone is able to do that, but, but you did that. Right. And that is a sign of strength, not necessarily a sign of something that you should have to forgive yourself for you. You took something that was taught to you that you knew was wrong and you found a way to rewrite that for yourself. And that's an amazing thing that you did. And I know that that doesn't feel real, <laughs> but I, I want to say to you as an outside perspective, as an outside observer of what's going on in this situation, that I'm just amazed at you for being able to do that in a situation that was so emotionally fraught and difficult. Yeah, I want to take one of your words out of the letter, too, and hopefully, like, I don't know, send you some some healing power. Um, you said, I hate that I betrayed myself. I want Mm. to take that word, betray yourself. And I want to like completely redefine it because you didn't betray yourself. You were seeking comfort and survival in a moment of extreme crisis and trauma, right? You you protected yourself. You protected yourself. And it's understandable what you did. It's understandable that you felt that way. It's understandable that you did what you needed to do to cope and survive because that is how we were taught. 
And because you didn't know how to do anything differently. I'm not even I'm not even going to say that you didn't know how to do anything better because that would imply like that this was the wrong response. Ideologically, Mm -hmm. we can look at our past choices and think, oh, God, if only I knew better. But it's like. (laughs) There is no other choice. There is no Mm -hmm. even the even the language of I wish I did something better or if I wish I knew better. It's almost like, well, there's a better and worse way to respond to trauma for the first time as a fucking 19 year old. This is all our first time here, you know. And so you did Mm -hmm. what you needed to do to cope, to endure. And look at all of this enduring that you've done. Look at your resilience, your bravery, your strength, as Sam has said. Like, look at what you've looked back on and had the courage to truly see and name as what it is. Like, that is Mm -hmm. so powerful powerful so absolutely i want to challenge you to just erase that word betray literally say it out loud to me right now i i never betrayed myself i never betrayed myself i survived Mm -hmm. i sought comfort from people that i trusted but i didn't betray myself i agreed to something because i thought that was the right thing to do and now i know differently now i can be this like braver bolder version of myself that's more authentic that's more true to my experience um but you didn't betray yourself absolutely and i'm i'm just so sorry that we live in a society that demanded that resilience of you, like oh, that God. demanded what a great point the, and demanded that you protect yourself in that way. Um, and I'm also really sorry that we live in a society that that allowed for this horrible thing to happen and then for you to lose things that that were precious to you. Totally. Right. I- and I want to say that because I want to separate it from you in any way. Right. Like, I am sorry that 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 we live in a, in a culture that devalues rape right or like that that um tries to define rape in a way that it doesn't exist i'm sorry that we live in a society that demands that that we try and tell women that it's their fault right like but none of that has anything to do with you that has everything to do with the the system in which you are living and and it's important for us to recognize that as victims of sexual assault because because the society like the things that we have taught are being taught want us so badly to to individualize this experience to make it my fault to make it something that is only happened between me and this one person but it is not that it is it is a confluence of so many societal things that that people don't want to have to take account for and so so that is the way that they handle it and and i'm really sorry that that's that's the way that things exist right now yeah um and i want to talk a little about this friend um because that's i actually see this as the core of the letter like i know you didn't write us to to hear our comfort from that experience but of course we have to give it to you and we have to um mm-hmm. tell you how proud we are of you um but the the core of this letter is how the fuck do i <laughs> reconcile with what happened to me and there and then what happened between me and this person because of that thing um and I just want to say um, there's a lot of grief happening in this letter um, because you are mourning not just what happened, but this friendship, 
what could have been, what could have been said, um, et cetera. Um, and grief shows up in some wild ways, y'all. Um, so just make sure you're being gentle with yourself. And I, I want to challenge you to consider this person um, right now in this moment. You're giving this person like a, an important front row seat to your heart. And previously you gave them a front row seat to your life, right? Like they were the person you turned to. Um, they were the person you trusted and held really dear. Um, and they might not be in your life that in the way, same way anymore, but they're still in that seat, right? They're still, they're still mm -hmm. front row. Um, and they, and originally they earned that seat, they earned that seat because they were an ear, they were a companion, they were an emotional support. They they earned that seat. But I want to ask you, does she deserve this front row seat to your heart now? Because even though it doesn't always feel like it, even though we, we feel overcome, let's bring back the, the systems of thought, even though we always feel overcome by those emotional automatic system one thoughts, you can shift, you can acknowledge that and say, like, I miss her. She was a good friend to me. She was really important to me. And I miss that importance and that closeness. Shifting to a conscious thought. She doesn't, she's not paying rent anymore. <laughs> she doesn't deserve to take up this real estate in my heart. You can make a new mm -hmm. seating chart, right? Um, I know this sounds like a little simplified, but part of the mourning grieving process, getting through a a relationship ending or a friendship changing is to start making those mental shifts in your brain. Acknowledge what she was to you. Acknowledge what she isn't anymore. Acknowledge what you used to put your energy on uh, into and, and now make an intention for how you're going to shift your energy. This woman has a lot of unlearning to do in her own life. She's going to mm -hmm. do that in her own time, in her own way. And, I'm unsure as to my opinions of whether you should write her or not. I actually like want to chat with Sam about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but let's start shifting her out of your heart. Right. Um, I guess like the TLDR version of all of this is that we have the ability to change and to change our minds, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of great grief and intimacy, we have the ability to change the way we think about someone. Absolutely. And I think, I think it's also important for you in this too. Um, and I think actually this is why I started with the conversation with like a reminder to yourself that you did nothing wrong in this situation, because I also think it's important for you to remember that she did do something poorly in the situation, right? Mm. Like she treated you really badly and we can do the thing where we practice empathy and say, I can understand why this happened. Right. But we also need to pair that with what is important, just as important, which is accountability, and it is to say, yes, we can understand that she reacted because of the way that she was taught and the world that she lived in. And also, Does she deserve that, that she, seat. <laughs> yeah, right. The way that she responded and the way that she has responded in the last five years, right? Like she responded poorly in the moment and she continues to respond poorly by not atoning for the things that she did or the way that she made you feel or the blame that she put on you that wasn't yours. And we can still say that was a that is a hurtful, hurtful thing. And I don't want to be in relationship with people who continue to hurt me. And yes, it's super sad. And 
And it's hard to watch people move away from us, right? And it's hard to watch people do things that hurt us repeatedly, right? And that is really painful. But I want you to bring a little bit of acknowledgement of the fact that like the decisions that she's making in this are conscious decisions that are hurting you, right? They are not just she's moving through the world and she doesn't know what she's doing, right? Like I want, I want you to put a little bit of a, a t- autonomy on her and a little bit of accountability on her because I want you to stop sort of seeing this as, oh, this horrible thing happened to me and because this horrible thing happened to me, I'm a broken person that she no longer wants to be around or that she can't find a way to love and instead turn it to a horrible thing happened to me and my friend couldn't show up for me. And continues to not show up for me and say, and part of that is her fault. It is not because this horrible thing happened to me and I'm somehow a broken person that isn't deserving of friendship. It is that I had a friend who was inequipped to be able to help and support me. And and I don't want that in my life anymore. And that's a really hard thing to say for sure. And it's a hard thing to believe, honestly. Like I'm talking to my therapist right now all about how I don't believe myself. (laughs) Like, I get it. Like, I feel it. And also, I just, like, this woman hurt you. She is hurting you. She is hurting you deeply. And and I want you to see that so that you can spend a little more time in anger <laughs> or spend a little more time in sort of understanding the way in which you are hurting rather than sort of sitting in this place of, I'm so forlorn because I don't have my friend in my life this perfect friend that would have been a perfect friend for me if only this horrible thing had not happened. Because I, I want you to be able to, to assign some blame to her and recognize that, like, that it's important for you to move on because of the way in which this person hurt you. Yeah, I'm glad you used anger. I'm glad you said that because I almost wanted to ask, like, um, y'all, we can do our head and heart work. We can, we can see the ways in which oppressive systems shape our thoughts you know, Mm -hmm. and our society, but we are still allowed to have our emotional responses to things. Um, And sometimes that those hotter emotions like anger, you know, can push us into a place of clarity, right? To give us space, to protect us from, from um, like wallowing in what hurt us. And Mm -hmm. I, I really think um, Bumblebee that Sam is a hundred percent correct on this one, that, Um, You have a right to say, wow, not only did you not show up to me for me in a way that was. um, Well, fuck, you showed up in a really shitty, hurtful way, right? Regardless of whatever we have to unlearn, you were not Mm -hmm. there for me. You didn't believe me. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And and. You've abandoned me. You didn't invite me to your wedding. Our friendship <laughs> literally has dissolved its meaning to you. Fuck you. I'm going to block you. Number one piece of advice. Um, because I don't want to see this anymore. I don't I don't, I don't want to make space for this in my life anymore. Um, and I was thinking, like, the crux of your letter is how do I move on from this friend breakup, right? And mm-hmm. part of it is doing it in the same way that we do emotional breakups, blocking like burning what you need to burn um cleansing what you need to cleanse like realizing that yes you loved them once yes they were important once but that 
that once, that memory of that person is no longer present, right? That's no longer who we're working with. Everything has changed and the past can never be resurrected the way it was. That doesn't mean we can't acknowledge what was there, right? We were important. You did think that you were at least going to be invited to their wedding. You thought that, you know, we all had different plans for our life. We all thought they would look differently, right? But they change. They they change. We lose people. We gain people. We abandon people. We hurt people. People hurt us. We make choices mm. that change the path of our lives, right? And she made a choice, right? She made a choice. And she has followed through with that choice by distancing herself from you. And it's it's so hard, this work of like emotionally moving on from someone who not only was important to us, but but hurt us. But it's important work, right? I want to know, like we spent the first couple minutes of responding to this letter really praising you. And I want to push you a little now, like you've done such a good job articulating your experience and reclaiming it. But what space do you take up now in this healing process? What space are you giving yourself? Um, Because you're like Sam says, you're 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 where's your anger? You know, like where's your righteousness? Because you you deserved better. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that sort of leads to this question of of whether or not you should write to her or send her a letter. And I, I would say, I it it is up to you to decide what healing you need in this moment. But what I would caution you to consider is whether or not you want to write this letter because you think that there are things that you have left unsaid, or because you think that there are things that you need to hear. Right. Because you can say all the things you want, and I'm absolutely on board with that, but you are not going to get the things that you need to hear. Like, I just want to acknowledge that. Like, I want to state that explicitly. I don't know this woman. Maybe she's, like, totally reformed and has, like, really seen the errors of her ways and is going to come back to you with, like, open arms. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but, but... If that's the expectation that you're looking for, then you're going to be disappointed and it's not going to actually help you in the healing process. But if you are like, I want to say my piece to this woman because I think that you should, right? I think that you should want to. And and you want to, if you want to say, I want to, I want to enumerate the ways in which she's hurt me so that I can get it out of my body so that I can get it away from my mind. I'm all on board with that. But I just want to caution you that that writing this with the expectation that you're going to get something meaningful back is setting yourself up for, for failure because there, yes, there is the 1% chance that she might return to you with open arms, but more likely is that she just won't respond or she'll write back and be defensive. Um, or she will write back and not give you exactly what you need. And so I just want to, if that's the main thrust of why you want to do this, I, I would, I would, Caution you not to do it and think about how you can find that affirmation from yourself or from other people who are in your life that that are more equipped to be able to love you in the way you need to be loved. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that was my similar sentiments is that I don't I don't trust this person to not be defensive and Mm -hmm. them being in this front row seat of your heart. They really have access to ways that can to to things that can hurt you, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I her being so close to you and having all of this intimate knowledge of you, I don't want to give her access to be able to hurt you more, to confuse you more. You know what happened to you and you know not only what he did, but what she did, right? You don't need the 
their apologies to make that any more real. I For do sure. second with Sam too, though, that can, it can be really cathartic to get that shit off your chest. Um, so mm-hmm. if you did want to send that letter and say, I, I'm really sad that our friendship fell apart because of X, Y, and Z reasons, I'm also really disappointed because I now see what happened truly and how you weren't there for me. Um, I wish you well. Um, I need to get these things off my chest for my own healing, but I I wish you well. No return address. And you know what that looks like in the digital world? Blocking. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I just like... This is a little bit off topic, but I just want to like state something explicitly that I think is important, which is that like just because we can acknowledge the fact that we live in a cis heteropatriarchy, that we live in a white supremacist society and that we are all sort of ingrained and taught that from birth is not an excuse for us to practice misogyny, practice homophobia, practice racism, right? Like it is. It is meant to be an opportunity for us to empathize and recognize that we all have room to grow, but it is not meant to be an excuse for that behavior. And I and I would caution us against doing that because it lets people off the hook for things that are still unacceptable. And and I appreciate that we are coming into these conversations with empathy and respect and sort of acknowledging that it's not that racism, homophobia, you know, uh, misogyny are like not confined to individuals but that is not meant to say that like we let we get to let people off the hook for the things that they do that support those systems because i i'm just afraid that we're getting into this that that i let me say that i'm sort of my words could be misconstrued to say like we need to we need to make sure that we understand that people are living in sort of the water of white supremacy or the water of cis heteropatriarchy and so therefore don't really know when they're doing the things that doesn't mean that that the things that they're doing aren't bad and that Mm. the things that they're doing shouldn't be held to account it is just a way for us to be able to understand how we can move and grow and and do better in the future does that make sense yeah totally and i think (laughs) i think this person is um this friend that we're talking about um I think it just takes uh, my favorite word, a lot of nuance, because as you were talking, I was like trying to picture this person on their journey. Right. Um, and they're this is a journey that they're that they've been a indoctrinated into, but also are choosing daily. Right. Because it's not right. as though these conversations aren't widely being had at this point. Right. Like we are met now daily um with opposition to to our indoctrination right and Mm -hmm. um back to bumblebee our dear letter writer like this person has chosen repeatedly to stand by and to not um repair the choices that she made years ago Mm -hmm. and absolutely Sam and I basically just want you to hold her accountable to that. We know this is painful. We know that this is like almost more painful than an emo- uh, a, a romantic breakup to lose a friend f- in these horrible circumstances and to lose this person who's so dear to you. Um, mm-hmm. This is deeply, deeply painful. This is going to be a cut that takes a long time to heal. But if we start thinking about the fact that this that this friend 
failed you, you know, and and start holding mm-hmm. her accountable in our hearts, that's going to make more space for healing, um, gratitude for yourself, for everything that you have seen yourself through. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Bumblebee, we love you. We do. We hope this helped. Thanks for writing. All right. Our third and final letter is from Anonymous, who's writing from The Void. I've been with my boyfriend, he, him, for almost four years. He's wonderful, self-motivated, and caring. My friends and family love him and vice versa. What he doesn't know is that I was hooking up on the side with another guy, he, him, throughout our entire relationship. I know my actions are shitty, and it's a side of me that no one else knows, hence this is anonymous. I met this other guy through a dating app sometime after a breakup from a long-term relationship. Back then, I felt insecure and needed validation that I was still dateable in some way. We'd hook up here and there while I was dating other guys. No matter what, even if my dates didn't work out, I'd always respond to his texts for hookups. As this guy was away in graduate school, I met my current boyfriend. I found him respectful and kind, and we have a lot in common. Yet, as our relationship was blossoming, I still answered the other guy whenever he reached out to me. Every time I did, I felt guilty, and it weighed heavily on my mind, since this guy was your typical asshole, and he didn't give two shits about me before and after we'd hook up. I haven't heard from him for months this year, and I feel like I could focus on my relationship. And no, this isn't my first time doing this kind of thing. In college, I kept in touch with a high school ex for a few years till it fell off while I dated my ex. I'm aware I have a lot of issues when it comes to loyalty and relationships. I do want to be a better person for the future and stop sabotaging my relationships. I think I just get anxious and insecure about giving my all to one guy and seeing the possibility that everyone, everything can work out when there's other men in the world. I do know that my boyfriend absolutely would leave me if he ever found out since he's been cheated on before with an ex-girlfriend. I'm in a bind because I can see a future with him and I care about other people's opinions about me and my relationship. Yet I know deep down that I've what I've done is disrespectful. So my questions are, is it worth even telling my boyfriend about this? Is there any way to be more loyal? Am I truly ready to be in a loving adult relationship? Thanks for taking my questions and hearing me out. Thank you so much for writing Anonymous and for sharing this very vulnerable letter. Absolutely. Um, um, I'm not sure, Sam, if you will feel the same way as I do, but like at least in the beginning, I'm not going to talk about telling her boyfriend. Mm. Um, Great. Okay. (laughs) Let's stick a pin in that. (laughs) Well, I feel like what... I want to say, well, one, fuck, that is a heavy question. And I mean, that's why people write in. It is in. a very heavy question. Yep. But two, the things I really want to say clearly and directly to you have nothing to do with the the boyfriend. Um, mm. But, and, and, and I also know if you do want uh, a future with this man or in any what you call loving adult relationship, um, there has to be accountability. So I don't Mm -hmm. know what that looks like, but I want to talk about first what inner accountability looks like, I guess. Um, I want to say clearly and directly and with a lot of love um, that you can do things differently. You say, is there a way to be more more loyal? And am I truly ready to be in a loving adult relationship? 
The two questions right there are really interesting to me. One, is there a way to be be more loyal? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Um, It involves not (laughs) responding to that person's text. (laughs) You know, like I don't mean to like laugh Mm -hmm. at it or make it so simple, but those two, that question was like, yeah, yeah, totally. There's a way to be more more loyal. And then the second question, am I ready to be in a loving adult relationship? I want to say you are in a loving adult relationship and you are choosing to make space for this behavior in your relationship. This is this is the loving adult relationship that you're in. L- loving adult relationships contain mm-hmm. multitudes, including infidelity, toxicity, abuse, and things like that. Um, and the question posed, I don't know if you meant it this way, but the way you quos- posed it kind of back to back is like, you know, maybe I'm just not ready for this. Like, maybe I'm just not a di- at a different stage in my life. And like, I used to think that way. I, I used to think that like I would grow up one day and like be better or whatever. But then I realized that making changes in our lives to be happier or healthier or be riddled with less shame or guilt or whatever we're carrying around really can start at any moment. And it begins with deciding to do things differently. About It's about making a mm. choice in that moment, like, like like when we hear that Pavlovian bell ring, um, you know, that text message from that guy that makes us feel pretty or that um, mm-hmm. that DM from that woman who like we've always wanted to date, but we are now in a relationship like yep. we ha- when we hear that bell ring, we have to go against our our training, our urges mm. and sometimes even our instincts to do things differently. And the reason why I'm approaching this, Amanda, is that like, I see myself in you because I too have like been unfaithful in relationships. Sam and I have talked about this on many episodes before, so I'm not going to like dive into it. But I Mm -hmm. know that for a long time, that behavior felt um, not only like impulsive, but like uncontrollable. And somehow... (laughs) justifiable because i was like i don't know i'm just like a hot mess or like i you know (laughs) they were um i got like swept up in the moment or whatever bullshit i told myself right but honestly i i was allowing myself to move under this guise of um non-autonomy as though like i didn't have a hundred percent control over what i was doing and that i wasn't fucking manifesting it like that i wasn't yep. flirting with that coworker, or like i wasn't answering those text messages or whatever mm-hmm. um i think like the personal reckoning for me came when i decided that my actions had consequences <laughs> and that my actions manifested the life i was living and so mm-hmm. i say this like with a lot of toughness and love um, anonymous that you are repeatedly choosing to be in these two relationships. Um, And these, these two relationships are not consenting to each other that, you know, like the boyfriend doesn't know. So he's not consenting. Um, And it might, I want to like, hold on. I want to pause a little and go back because all I think of when I read your letter anonymous is like, my desire when I was younger to, this is going to be like so simple, but like to feel um, wanted, to feel pretty, Mm -hmm. to feel loved, to feel desire, 
desired. I had such a such an empty well in me that I just wanted to fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. And that's why I found these unfaithful relationships or situations because like nobody, no one partner could fill it up. Right. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to be desired. And I don't know if that's how you carry this infidelity, but I'm going to assume it it is in some way. Right. You don't want to be tied down to this one man or, or you you're getting something else from this side guy. Right. You're getting something from Mm -hmm. him. So my first question is, what are you getting from him? And, and, and can you give it to yourself or Mm -hmm. can you live without it? You know, for a long time, I felt like I needed all of this attention (laughs) to feel good about myself. And I don't. Absolutely. No. And I think that's a hundred percent real. And I will also say that like in, at least in my experience, like that, that doesn't go away that necessarily, right? Like that, that 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 desire desire, to, that desire for like immediate, like gratification around like, Oh, I'm wanted. Right. Like there will still be at some point when we are allowed to go back in the bar, there will still be people at the bar that will like will want to hit on you. There will still be like you will still get DMs from people from your past who like want to like big you up or or like get in your pants. Right. Like those things still happen. But. Right. So it's not about waiting for those things to stop happening. It's about like making the active decision in this moment to choose the healthy love that you have with this person, this healthy monogamous love, right? Like, because you have both agreed to be in a monogamous relationship together, not because love, healthy love has to be monogamous, right? But you have made this choice to be in a healthy monogamous relationship with this person. And so it means that you have to start saying no to the other things that come up and it's not going to get easier, right? There's no, not going to be a point where suddenly like that DM doesn't fill your brain with pleasure chemicals, right? But it gets easier the more often you you say no to that DM, right? Like it becomes yeah. much easier to say, You're, you know what? I've gone without that for a while and I still don't need it. So I'm going to send that DM to the trash or I'm <laughs> going to go onto that person's profile and block them. <laughs> yes. I was actually going to say like, I do. I actually think it does get easier because you start seeing the own your 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 own ridiculousness. <laughs> like you you start seeing <laughs> like that sleazy DM that's like you want to hook up and I'm and all of a sudden you start seeing it for what how it truly made you feel right shameful. Yep. Um, like you're sneaking around, you know, like temporarily desired, used, you know, words that you have ex- expressed to us in your letter, like, um. It did get easier for me once I started setting those boundaries. All of a sudden, I realized how boundaryless I had been moving through the world, and how good it felt mm. to say, "Like, no, man, like I'm not even going to entertain <laughs> you." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or to say, "Ah, I know that I remember how guilty I felt after this last time, and I am going to choose like." I'm not going to sacrifice myself for this moment of pleasure oh to God, feel yes. awful afterwards. Let me tell you <laughs> like, what. I know that I will never cheat on my wife. And it's and here, here's the moment of truth. It's not because I won't like want to have like sex with someone else. It's because right. I will never want to feel so fucking so much fucking self-loathing again. You know, I was like riddled with anxiety and self-loathing during these time periods yep. where I'd have these infidelity. And I, you know, I would, I remembered like I couldn't sleep because I'd be afraid that my partner would like wake up and look at my phone or something, you know, 
just mm-hmm. horrible, horrible feelings to match my unhealthy, hurtful behavior, you know? And right. I just never want to feel that way anymore. And guess what? Anonymous, I don't want you to feel this way about yourself. None of this, now hear me loud and clear, none of this is about punishing yourself. This is about mm-hmm. living a life that feels healthy and free. Let me tell you how yep. free I feel right now that I know I'm not lying to my partner, that I'm not lying to myself, that I'm not, when I feel those urges, those needs for affirmation, that I don't need to seek it from other people who I don't actually respect, you know, like yep. that feels mm-hmm. like health to me. That feels like so nourishing that I can, that I have different ways to deal with those needs. Absolutely. I just want to, I do want to pause here and just say that Sierra and I are talking about our own relationships here. And both of our relationships are monogamous, right? And I do want to give you the opportunity to say, again, if this is important to you, right? If this, if this opportunity to have sex with different men is important to you, that is a okay too, right? Like not all relationships need to be strictly monogamous, but if that's important to you, you need to be upfront with that and you need to ask for it in the relationship and you need to get the consent of your partner in yes. that. Um, and I know that you know this, but I want to say it explicitly for even for other listeners here too, right? Like we should not just assume that monogamy is the best for everyone totally. because it's not right. And even if monogamy is not for us, that doesn't that doesn't remove the burden of being open, honest, communicative with our partners about what we are doing and what we want from the relationship. So I want to say to you, Anonymous, that that I don't necessarily want to condemn you for these feelings that you're having around sort of sleeping with other people and like and wanting those moments of of intimacy with other people. Oh no. But I do want to say to you that if that is important to you, I it is important that you acknowledge that it's important to you. If it is something that you want to pursue, go for it and also make sure that you are pursuing it, right? That you are giving yourself the gift of being honest about what you want and asking for that honesty from your partners. I'm so glad so, you said that. Right. And I think like, is there a way to be more loyal is a really interesting question in this context for multiple reasons. Right. Like because there is more there are opportunities to be more loyal by just like being more loyal, like making those active decisions. And I would also encourage you to say, ask yourself, is there an opportunity for me to be more loyal to myself? Right. Which is to say. Being in relationships that work for me and asking myself over and over is this the thing that I want or is this just a thing that I'm pursuing because it makes me feel good? And those are two very different things. So there's, which is just to say here, (laughs) there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I think it's important for you to have the ability and the time and space to be able to unpack these things for yourself without feeling an immense amount of guilt and without feeling this like, because I know this feeling so well, like this feeling of, I'm just not even going to think about it because if I think about it too much, it makes me feel bad. So I'm just going to like impulsively react to things. Yes. And this feels impossible right now. You feel you're like, oh, my God, I'm four mm-hmm. years deep yep. into this relationship that is functioning, but is ruined underneath because I will never yeah. not know what I did. So it feels impossible to face it. Um mm-hmm. But it starts with one choice at a time. 
And I don't yep. know if that choice is going to lead to you telling your boyfriend, but I know the first choice is blocking that fucking man's number out of your phone. Um, mm-hmm. I, it sounds so silly. And I know I've been like on the black, black, black kick this episode, but like that man will not hurt if he cannot access you, right? Your mm-hmm. life will literally be clearer, less cluttered, less tempted, whatever, if if you don't have access to him. Start with that choice. What's the second choice you can make? Do you are you do you have an urge to cheat when you go certain places? Don't go there anymore. I mean, like <laughs> it sounds so silly, and like I'm not trying to like sound uh, trivializing or t- or talk down to you. Literally, I'm talking to my younger self, um, and I I think I just I it felt impossible. Like Sam said, this felt this this feels too much it's too much to look at it but but any sort of life behavior excuse me any sort of life change happens with one choice at a time Mm -hmm. how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time so it the first bite is what boundaries can i put up around myself to stop this behavior immediately if you want to stop it and Mm -hmm. two then start asking yourself those questions like what do i need that i'm not getting from my relationship that i'm getting elsewhere where do mm-hmm. I want to get it from? Do I want to get it from other people? Am I happy in my relationship? Um, or is this like a Pavlovian response to my to my pain, to my needs? You know, can yeah. I how can I start filling myself up? How can I live in this discomfort of of not getting affirmed by other people or whatever it is? I guess what I'm saying is the first the first step is cutting it off. Right. I think it. I, I think that's really important. But the second step would be figuring out what these triggers are. Because for me, I needed to figure out why I was constantly literally ruining ruining relationships or making myself Mm -hmm. unhappy and anxious and ashamed and depressed in order to feel good about myself for, let's, you know, an hour. Four seconds. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I needed to figure out what that was in me that was constantly seeking something externally. That was my quest. So anonymous, what is yours? What 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 has fed this behavior for so long and what do you want to see changed? Cuz you can mm-hmm. change. Absolutely. And I would say even to to go against a little bit of what Sierra said. Yeah. <laughs> I say that you either need to cut him off or you need to be honest with your partner about the fact that he is in an open relationship. <laughs> right? Like like you can't continue down this same path where you are continuing to to cheat on a person who doesn't know that that this is happening. Yeah. Right? So again, I just want to reiterate if you if if having sex with other men outside of your relationship is important to you, that is totally 100% fine. But if you are going to do that, you need to be honest with your partner oh, about totally. the fact that that's happening. And so like I don't want to say I don't want to say you have to cut this person off because I Honestly, if this is important to you, then like go for it. But you can't you can't have both of these things at the same time. They are incompatible. Yes. And until you find a way to make your life not these two incompatible things at the same time, you are going to just continue to feel this guilt and awfulness about yourself. Yes. Like like I know that the better human in me wants you to do this because I want you to respect your partner and like not lie to him anymore. But also like selfishly you living in this space is not good for you. It's, oh, right? it's like, so, it is not. We know it's not good for y- you. 
Yeah. No, it is like it is actively hurting you. It is actively sort of like tearing you apart into two different things because you're not able to integrate this these two realities. Right. Yeah. So like, yes, I feel for your partner and I'm I'm sad that he is in a relationship that he didn't consent to. And also I'm sad for you because like this is not a this is not a way to live. This is not a way to be your full human authentic self. Yes. And for both of you, I want you to either have a reckoning around what type of relationship you're both in or figure out how to come into alignment with the relationship that you both claim to want. Yes, I totally agree. And uh, I'm just going to add a clarification. I I think that at some point this needs to be like Sam said, you need to tell tell this person, tell this partner uh, what relationship he's in. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you should block this guy because you say that he's an asshole and he doesn't give two right. shits about you and it makes you feel <laughs> guilty and it makes you feel awful to hang out with him. But like, if you want to keep, just to be explicit, if you want to keep sleeping with other people, do that. But this guy seems like a tool and like not <laughs> yeah. worth your time. <laughs> yeah, this guy doesn't seem great, but... <laughs> Um, but also, I just to clarify with my own mind, um, I'm not against you telling your partner. In fact, I think that it might be a very important um, step, not just in the health and sustainability of your relationship, but in your own healing. Like Sam said, this is not this is incompatible, unsustainable, making you feel bad. Um, uh, but I was I'm really focused on you on your journey, figuring out why you do this, because once we know mm-hmm. the why, yep. we know what can um, feed us differently or prevent it, prevent it or whatever. But no, um, absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah, I don't even have advice for you about whether or not you tell him. Oh, God, right. And I'm I not know. super interested in answering that question because I don't know. I don't know your partner. I don't know your relationship with him. What I want you to figure out is how you can identify exactly what Sierra said, how you can identify the things in yourself that are causing you to behave in this way and either understand that that's something that you want to embrace about yourself, right? Make space for what you need or to say, why am I acting out in a way that that isn't in line with my vision for what I want and how I want to be in relationship with people? Because, you know, people get their needs met. I, I, I've been profoundly moved by that understanding that people will get mm-hmm. their needs met in whatever way they can. And I think nine times out of 10, we get our needs met in either an unhealthy way, an unsustainable way, a hurtful way, or maybe a way that just doesn't align with the life we want to live, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then all of it, if we pause, if we stop and think, well, what is triggering my desire to act this way or to, or to seek this out? and think, is that in line with the vision I have for my life, for who I think I want to be and how can I shift it? You know, um, I think it can Mm -hmm. be like profoundly life-changing to understand that we have, you and I love to say we don't have any fucking control in this world, but we can control (laughs) our actions even when we're faced with deep-seated impulses and desires. Absolutely, 100%. All right, Anonymous, we love you so much. And please don't take our hard, um, our tough love as um, permission to punish yourself. You don't deserve to be punished. You deserve to be loved and seen wholly for everything that you are. Um, and we're, we're just with you along this journey. Absolutely. We hope that this is an invitation to, to hold yourself accountable to the things that you claim that you want. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We love you. Thanks for writing. 
Thank you so much. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our show. This is when we try and hook you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is... Okay, it's a Netflix series, and I have no fucking clue if you're going to like this, Sam. Um, I, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I truly, y'all, have no idea what Sam's, like, read is going to be on this. So it's a it's a series called Surviving Death. Have you seen, like, ads for this or watched it at all? I have, and I know nothing about it. <laughs> yes, okay. So um, this show is... Um, like documentary style, all about different um, near-death, after-death experiences, whether it's like Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm, mm near-death experience and people had these visions if they're after they were like legally dead, Um, mediums, um, ghost sightings, um, uh, talking to your loved ones after they're gone, um, things like that. Um, So a couple things. One, if you're into paranormal stuff like me, watch this show. Also, <laughs> if you're interested in um, pondering the question of like life after death, which I technically don't believe in, however, am like all other human beings fascinated by, um, watch sure. this. Um, I also love the idea of um, like energies like you know people's energies like where did they go after they're gone like this is just i think a part of our human experience to to ponder these things and i think this series um does a really good job of balancing science with truly what science cannot measure you know what what science cannot reach you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so it balances the science that we do have with a lot of wonder and human experience um and it also is like very interesting um, in terms of like the different sciences out there that have been invented to ch- to try to study these things, you know, to try to study ghost sightings or mediums and their and their accuracy or their or their fraud or whatever. Um, and uh, like for example, um, the a person I just saw on last week's episode was like. Um, he had worked in hospice care for 30 years and he created and published a study on the um, the number of people, the frequency of people on, in hospice being visited either in their dreams or in waking visions by loved ones who had passed on. And that the, the mm-hmm. number of people who saw these visions was like super high um, and that they they correlated it, that they like they weren't medicated. So it wasn't like a drug thing or whatever. Anyway, that's just like a small tidbit of the type of like intersections of things that are happening in this documentary. I want to say it is definitely more, um, uh, you know, it's paranormal, <laughs> you know, like they, yeah, it's like they, a little, little woo woo. <laughs> yeah. 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 But they try to, um, they're open to skepticism and they're open to trying to prove things. And I really enjoyed it. Y'all, um, for the first time in my life, I've been experiencing like death anxiety, um, uh, which I know a lot of people deal with. Um, and, uh, I, I, I actually really enjoyed this. Um, and it talked also about like the history of of um, cultures dealing with death and how we have kind of all um, that our culture has um, kind of whitewashed it or like cleaned it in a way that mm-hmm. we don't, you know, sure. we, we're more scared of it now than we ever were before um, because of modern medicine and because of um, whatnot. So 
Anyway, I've talked for like 30 minutes on this episode about this one blind date, but I've really enjoyed it. It's came into my life at a really convenient time. If you're not into the woo-woo, like you can talk to dead people sort of thing, you're not going to like it, but you may find it really interesting. I think I'll uh, mm-hmm. it, like they make a lot of room for like skepticism. And I want to say explicitly, like, I'm still pretty skeptical, but I really enjoyed this series. It's called Surviving Death. You can watch it on Netflix now. Love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship uh, memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our Valentine's Day virtual live show happening Saturday, February, not September. February February 13th. Um, Get your tickets at the website justbreakuppod.com. Please follow us so that you can get your episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode and access to the backlog of over 100 Patreon episodes. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally helps us keep the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, your unhealthy habits, the choices that you made in the past and continue to make sometimes are just survival mechanisms that you learned along the way. We are all here for the first time, making it up as we go along, but we have the gift, the opportunity to change and to make more authentic choices every day. Today, you can choose to be the person you want to be. One choice, one moment, one step at a time. And if all else fails, just break up.